marquee. We had it up all week. A pathetic, apathetic. And we don't want our fathers to be like that. We want fathers that are going to be involved in their family's life and in their own lives as well. Numbers 13, beginning in verse 36. The key verse will be verse 31. Do you have it? They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. He had to silence them because they were all messed up. Before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land at once. For we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread along the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. They were giants. We saw the Nephilim. They're the descendants of Anak. Come from the Nephilim. We seemed as what? In our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Father, I pray that we would get rid of grasshopper mentalities, that we would learn that success comes in cans, and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This, Lord God, will be a memorable message, Lord God, a turning point message for our church, and I pray that we would respond, Lord God, not negatively, but positively. Not just for our sake, but for posterity's sake as well. I ask it in your name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A pathetic, apathetic. Now, once Moses, the portion of the scripture that we're covering here, once Moses has emancipated his Jewish people, they, they've been taken out of the hand of a tyrannical leader by the name of Pharaoh. Many of you even saw the, the movie, The Ten Commandments. You saw the latest one by uh, uh, whatever his name was, a cartoon version pertaining to this portion of scripture. But once they have received the laws, once they have received the commandments, the people were now ready to go right into the promised land. Okay? God wanted them at once to go and possess the land. I, I believe it had taken about a year and a half for them to get to this point in place. Many people say, well, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. No, it was really 38 and a half. Receiving the laws, receiving the commandments, as I mentioned earlier, took about a year and a half. They camped at Sinai. They camped at the, at, at the foot of it. Moses had to go up and meet with the Lord. It took a little bit of time. But once they finally get near the promised land, Moses sends out spies. Okay, because this is what the people wanted, really. Okay, and you know the story, 12 of them. All right, but God wanted them. God's, uh, you know, initial intent was for them to possess the land right away. At once. Sort of like us. We've come here, and we, who should we knock on the walls later? No, I don't think so. I think God wants us to do it. At once. I really, really, that's why I put this message together. It's a very important message to me. 
It's not going to be a message as far as, you know, profound and deep and all that. But it's going to be a very timely sermon for our church. God usually gives me things that, like this at, at certain times, and this is one of them. Because we need to be about our father's business. How many know that? But what happens here with these people, the Israelites, they appoint a 12-member committee. And 10 of these members come back with a negative report. Okay? And there's a saying that we used to have in playing dominoes. Anybody ever play dominoes? Play long and play wrong. Uh, and that's what was happening here. Uh, if you wait and hesitate, you're going to be late. I made that one up. Uh, see, God wanted them to do it right now. When? Now. When does God want us to knock down these walls and build a sanctuary and get the, 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 the second mortgages taken care of? As soon as possible. Now, now, these 12 members of this committee, they had a report. And the majority report, and they had a minority report. The majority report was, was you know, rather dreary and rather dull. Matter of fact, let me read it to you. Okay, this was the report of the, of the majority committee. It said, whereas we have spied out the land of promise, and whereas we have discovered certain facts about the land that God himself did not know, to wit, that it is inhabited by giants, and whereas we have come to realize that God was mistaken in thinking that we could ever possess it, and whereas we have learned that he overrated both his own power and ours, be it resolved that we will give up the task as a wild dream and turn our faces back to Egypt. That was the report of the majority, the 10 negative spies. See, I can just imagine the, you know, the, 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 the stern and ugly faces the Israelites made when they heard this report. All of them were like, man, yeah, man, and we thought we had it. The kingdom of God was at hand. But look at this report. Wow, they must have thought, huh? how could God be so cruel to bring us out of Egypt, do all those other miracles, part the Red Sea, do all these other things just to bring us to this. God is so cruel. Man, how could he do that to us? See, this God didn't even make sense to them, delivering them, taking them, you know, out of bondage, doing miracle after miracle, and then this doesn't make sense. It made zero sense at all. Why would God do that? Had he been playing a joke on them, just leading them on? Why, why would he have done that? Do you think God would do that? No way. Thus, my friend, amid this atmosphere of fear, the young Caleb, Caleb stands up, okay, and he reads the minority report that was signed by only two people, him and Joshua. Let me read the minority report. He said this, Whereas we have spied out the land, and have found that it is exceedingly a good land, be it resolved that we go up at once and possess it, for we will, will be able to overcome. The giants there will only be bread for us. But only two people signed that report. Okay? Now, it's sad to say that that minority report, listen to this, was turned down, folded up, filed as unwise, and it would never be brought out again, dealt with again, uh, until all but two men of that generation were still living, and the rest were in their graves. I hope you heard what I said. 
They got the report. They filed it. They said, nah, it would not ever be brought out till 38 and a half years later and brought to pass. Filed. Uh, till everybody was in their graves. That's a real grave situation. Literally. And with that, we have quite a pathetic story. This is a sad, sad story of a whole Jewish generation that threw away their opportunity and their chance. We have an opportunity ourselves. It is a story of a missed and murdered opportunity. It's the story of how a whole nation uh, uncrowned themselves, robbed themselves of their own treasures hidden in secret places. Are we going to do that? No way, Jose. Uh-uh. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, we're going to do it the way God wants it to be done. See, this is a story of how a people of whom Jehovah God himself had a great, great plan for, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, 41 speaks about that. I'm not going to have you turn to it, but it's there. Psalm 78, 41 talks about this account that happened here in Numbers 13. How they limited the Holy One of Israel. That's the quotation of it, word for word. See, and I've preached a sermon many years ago on that, on that verse. They limited the Holy One of Israel. You can't limit God. Don't put... You know, limits on the Lord. Don't stereotype God and say this, that, and the other. No. That's what Pastor Sunday's always taught us. Don't put a roof on your, on your church. You don't know how God wants to grow it and what God wants to do with it. Uh, Israel tied the hands. They muzzled his voice and blindfolded God's eyes. That's what they did. Simply by giving into fear uh, and not exhibiting godly faith. That's what they did. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Israel came face to face with their dreams, uh, with their heart's desires. They came right up to the land of opportunity, right up to the land of promise, where they could almost taste the honey. But it turned into uh, the super classic case of a so-called so close and yet so far. They were right there. They were at the brink, at the fringe of the promised land. But this negative report, they believed it. They were at the brink of their blessing. So are we, church. We're right here. I can almost taste the honey, but I need water first. Uh, this will have to do for now. But they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Uh, they had been offered by God himself the very land of their hope. The land of their own. The land of their dreams. But... They put their hands in their pockets, they turned around and walked away and walked 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 for 38 and a half years. Wow. That happens to people individually, churches corporately, organizations, denominations, when they don't seize their opportunity. And God's been knocking at our door. God's been dealing with us. We have an opportunity of an eternal lifetime. But this story is not reserved for Moses and company alone. Nor did it end back some 6,000 years ago. It still goes on and it's still repeated generation after generation. And it's because it can also be repeated at 2647 47 Huntwood Avenue. Uh, it could. But we don't want it to, amen? 
What a pathetic tragedy when people will not rightly take and claim what is theirs. Especially, my friend, when it's coming forth from the very hand of God. Possessions must be possessed in order to become possessions. Hmm? They got to be possessed. Even God himself cannot give you what you don't want to take. Hmm. God can't shove it down your throat. God can't put it in your pocket. Possessions got to be possessed, taken. See, Israel refused to accept and to receive their destiny. Not us. Not us. Be, be it far from us. You ever talk to people who, when you strike up a conversation regarding a certain subject and their eyes light up, uh, and they really get into it, and then regarding that subject that you've brought up, they tell you, I could have been somebody. I could have played for the Dodgers. I could have played for the Giants against my dad. Uh, I could have been somebody. Uh, you ever seen that? I, I, I have a friend of mine who, 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 you know, would have been a champion boxer, no doubt about it. World champion. But he was a drug addict. He was always in prison. Uh, he was undefeated 12 years in the ring. Matter of fact, he's come to the church here for, for almost two years. The guy was bad. And when you talk to him about boxing, he'll, you know, he's like, oh, yeah. And then you start, to, oh, yeah, and that fight, oh, yeah. And when I fought down in the, in the, the yard down in St. Quentin, and, oh, and I beat that guy from East L.A. and dusted him, and, you know. And he knows he could have been champion, could have been somebody. But he didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, see, cemeteries are full of poets that never wrote. Cemeteries are full of artists that never painted. Uh, cemeteries are full of prophets that never preached. Cemeteries are full, my friend, of baseball players that could have been somebody that never played. Can you imagine how many potential Christians lay, my friend, now dead in countless cemeteries because they never fulfilled their potential and their opportunity to accept Christ? And they're in hell today, experiencing the worm that never dies. Man, if only, if only I would have gotten saved that day on Father's Day. Uh, life is serious, people. Life is serious. You're going to die someday if Jesus doesn't come. Uh, this is not, we're not tiddly winking around over here. This is, this, is, this is serious business. My job is a very, very important job. Getting people to Christ. Uh, I mean, when, I, when Chuck's talking to me right now, I mean, I'm, I'm not taking that lightly. When he's telling me, hey, you've given us an opportunity to accept Christ and to, to go to heaven, that's, that's serious business. And that's what I'm offering here today. See, countless of thousands of possible saints have died in the far country, right next to the pig trough in the pig pen because they didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Now, since today is Father's Day, let me bring in a bit of a Father's Day touch to this message. And we've all covered the, and know about the prodigal son. Okay, the father and the prodigal son. It turns out that the father had another son, the eldest son. The eldest son never left home. Uh, he never went to the far country like his younger son, his younger brother did. He stayed home and worked. Okay, but the Bible says, now the elder son was in the field. What a wonderful, rich experience of an opportunity was afforded to the eldest son. He was in the field working for the father. But to hear the son, the eldest son tell a story, uh, that it shows a different context. It shows a different story. The eldest son says these words. He says, man, I've been with you all these years, father, and not once have you ever given me a, a calf nor thrown a party for me. 
I've never had a celebration. See, what the eldest son was saying in practicality is this, that he has been with the father, but he's never gotten anything out of it. I've been with you, dad, but I've never gotten nothing from you. That's pathetic. Uh, that's sad, but it's true. And the father replies to his son. He tells him, my son, you have always been with me, and all I have is yours. That's what the Bible says the father re replied to him. You've always been with me, and everything I have is yours. See, the eldest son, he had the opportunity to enjoy the presence of his father at any time. He had that opportunity uh, to go wherever he wanted, but he never asked. To get whatever he needed, but he never asked. It was the eldest son's own fault that he never enjoyed the family's inheritance and the family's benefits. Because it was there. Uh, you're with me all the time, he told him. The eldest son, like Israel of Exodus chapter 13, they lived like slaves simply because they wouldn't claim what was theirs. That's why they were slaves. It was there. The opportunity was there. I said before that the biggest failure in life is to fail to even try it all. Did you hear what I said? The biggest failure in life is to even try it all. Try it. Give it your all. Do it in faith and watch what God will do for you. Uh, see, both the eldest son and the nation of Israel, they didn't know what they had or could have had. Now, why did Israel fail? I want to give you three quick reasons before I close. Why did Israel fail? Fail to acquire what God was wanting to give them. First of all, Israel failed because they didn't have faith. Okay, due to lack of faith. Now, I've often mentioned how in Christianity, Christianity is perspective. How you view things, how you see things. And these people looked more at the difficulties and the circumstances than they did to the power and the presence of God. Did you hear what I said? Christianity is perspective. They looked more at their problems. They looked more at their circumstances and their situations more than they looked at the presence and the power of God. Ah. In other words, their fear level was higher than their faith level. Don't let that happen in Christianity. Keep your faith level above your fear level. Everybody's going to have fears. Boo. I was going to do it. I was going to scare you guys, but I decided not to. I'm a nice guy. But everybody has fears. John the Baptist doubted the Bible says, and he was the greatest ever born of man. Uh, so when you have fear, when you doubt, you're in good company, but keep that fear level below your faith level. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. That's why it's important you come to church. Uh, read your word. Let your faith level stay up here. Uh, but they looked more at the giants than at the Lord. That's what they did. At their circumstances, their problems. Israel looked at the giants and they made themselves look like grasshoppers. Caleb and Joshua looked at God and God made the giants look like grasshoppers. Christianity is perspective. How you view things. What's in here? See, if you and I or anyone is to do anything of worth on this planet, we need to believe in and to believe for something big. Believe in the word of God. Believe in God. Believe in the things of God. But believe for big things. You cannot grow a redwood tree in a two-liter soda bottle. It can't, it can't be done. You can't operate a battleship in a little mud puddle. You can't do that. And these Israelites had a small, puny Poverty mentality. How about us, Victory Outreach? Uh, he that shoots for nothing will hit it every time. I got it. You sharpshooter, you. Uh, got it, got it, got it. Man. Then secondly, 
They didn't have faith, number one. Secondly, another reason why Israel failed was due to their lack of overall self-respect or self-esteem. They didn't look at God. They looked at the circumstances. Then they looked at themselves with a puny poverty mentality as well. They had no high and holy self-esteem. Do you hear what I said? No high and no holy self-esteem for themselves. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. So quite naturally, their enemies also saw themselves as grasshoppers as well. If you see yourself as just, as just another person, if we see ourselves as just another church, barely getting by and barely making it, then that's what our community is going to look at us as well. Just another church, barely making it. Uh, but in Victory Irish Ministries, we have a heavy, heavy opportunity to change the way people view inner city churches. Yeah, we do. I mean, I was looking at the Alma Awards yesterday. Stands for something Mexican-American. Uh, but let me tell you something. I'm a Mexican-American, but I'm a Christian first. Uh, I like what Pastor Mando says. He said, I'm not a Chicano. I'm a Cristiano. Uh, this is, what I've, pigmentation is just pigmentation. So don't be a pig. Uh, think like a sheep. Uh, because this is a church of man. A very variety of, of nationalities come here. Thank God for that. That's the way it should be. Uh, but I was looking at the Alma Wars and how the, the Hispanics are trying to come up. And how they, 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 they give a plug at the end. We have to be on TV now. And thank God for what they're doing and all that stuff. But we have a charge to Victory Outreach. Dealing with the inner cities. We got to go in there and change their mentalities. Of how they view inner city churches. Uh, you want a real good perspective of an inner city church. Go to La Puente, California. Go look at Pastor Sonny's church. Go to the conference this coming August. It's a mind blower. It is a mind blower. Uh, have, how many of you have never seen Pastor Sonny's church? You've never seen it? Let me see your hands. Okay. Oh, God, send them hallelujah. Uh, how many have? Ooh, is that bad? That's the biggest seating capacity church in the greater downtown Los Angeles area. Victory Outreach. And it can happen here too. God wants it to happen here. Uh, but we got to understand that. We can't have that puny mentality. Uh, see, if Jesus felt it very important to die for you, to pay a great price for you, um, then God's people and God's church must understand that we are valued and very important in the sight of God. He paid a heavy price for you, for us. Those of us, my friend, that are Christians, we need never to blush behind the title of Christian. But we, my friend... We're to wear that title boldly. You don't, are you a Christian? I guess. You guess? Man. Uh, wear the title boldly. Yes, I'm a Christian, aren't you? You aren't stupid, are you? Uh, I'm supposed to say that word in my house. Hallelujah, huh? Hey, you and I belong to an institution that has been around a long, long time that has weathered storm after storm after storm. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's the institution we belong to. We need to understand that. God save us from the grasshopper mentality. The Bible doesn't say I can do a few things through a little angel that tries to strengthen me. Come on, I thought a long time for that, about that one. Ah, doesn't say I can do how many things? Through Christ, who strengthens me, who lives inside of me. We need to understand that. Uh, the third reason, and we're moving fast here, why Israel failed was for lack of a willingness to pay the price for success. 
they did not want to sacrifice, nor did they want to fight. They wanted the promised land given to them on a silver platter with a silver spoon. Dropped on their lap. That doesn't happen. They were looking for the path of least resistance. Where does God build his highway, highways? On the mountains, not on the coastline. It's easy to build a highway on the coastline. But people want that. They want the path of least resistance. You know when you first went to school. Remember the first day of school? You raised your hand, you asked your teacher, what's the least amount of things that I got to do to be able to pass this class and get a D minus? Uh, but go to the next grade. No, God wants you to shoot for the moon. Get an A. Uh, God will open doors, effectual doors, but he won't push you through it. God will open the doors, but he's not going to push you through it. We need to walk through those doors ourselves. Israel didn't want the promised land bad enough. How bad do you want this building? How bad do you want to get rid of those mortgages? How bad do you want this? Because we're going to have that opportunity. I know how bad I want it, but I'm not rich. Uh, we're going to have to put our mullah together. We're going to have to put more than our amens together. Amen, I'll say that for you. Uh, Israel didn't want it bad enough. In Christianity, when push comes to a shove, we're always going to see what we're made of. Uh, the enemy is not afraid of a half-hearted, tiptoe, tiptoeing through the tulip kind of a Christian. He's not afraid of a half-hearted Christian. But with the man and the woman who are purposeful, who are resolved, who are in earnest, impossibilities take to their toes when that person gets up in the morning. Oh no, here comes Sonny Argazzoni and Sonny Jr. right behind him. Impossibilities have to flee. We got to think like that, church. That kind of a mentality. Every promised land that was ever taken and won over from Moses to Jose Nava and Santa Rosa were taken by a people ready and resolved to fight for their right. This Father's Day, we're going to see how resolved the men of Victory Outreach are. Uh, over 200 years ago, a young man came out of a service such as this. And he writes... That when he came out of that service, he was challenged of God and he felt a warm feeling inside of his heart. That young man who felt strangely warmed in his heart, uh, he got on his horse that night and he literally rode through the 18th century. And he turned his planet from winter to springtime. He broke a lot of icicles in front of people's houses. Turned them into, this young man, what I'm trying to say is kind of hot. And he wrote literally through the 18th century. When he died, he left behind $120 in the bank. All worn out coat. An all worn out horse. Uh, an, uh, a beat up old Bible. And one other thing. A whole Methodist denomination. Because he felt strangely warm in his heart to do something for God. That one man made a whole difference in his planet. Literally, John Wesley. Now, as I close, the Israel of Numbers, Numbers 13 was quite the opposite. They were not earnest. They were not challenged enough to claim their promised land. They missed their chance. They missed their opportunity. Thus, they were sent to wander in the desert, and to succumb to arrested development. I hope you understand what I'm saying right there. They never grew up. Arrested development in their own lives. 
and never became of nothing. But Caleb and Joshua had said, let us go up at once, for we are well able to possess that land. May we express, express our faith, our high, holy self-esteem, and the willingness to pay the price. Because in no other way are we going to be able to complete this Ezra fund. No other way. Uh, we're going to have to be resolved inside of our hearts to be able to do this. Turn very quickly, please, to Numbers 10. The Judges 4, then I'm done. But I need to show you this. Numbers 10. Then Judges 4. This is a sad commentary of a family. Actually, a family leader, a man that didn't want to pay the price. Numbers 10, verse 29. Do you have it? Now Moses said to Hobab, son of Rule, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, in other words, Rule was his brother-in-law. We are setting out for the place about which the Lord said, I will give it to you, the promised land. Come with us and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to who? He answered, no, I will not go. I'm going back to my own land and my own people. But Moses said, please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in, the desert. And you can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. Verse 9. Judges 4 verse 9 says, Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will hand Sisera over to a what? A woman. And this is Father's Day. Verse 17. Sisera, however, fled on foot to the tent of who? Jael. Some might say Jael, but don't say it like that, guys. All right? Because it's Jah, Jehovah, El. Two words for God. Banded together. What a beautiful name, Jael. The wife of Heber the Kenite. Because there were friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heber the Kenite. Jael went up to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So he entered the tent and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened up a skin of meal, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he, he told her. If somebody comes by and asks you, is there anyone here, say no. But Jael, Hibber's wife, picked up a tent peg and, and a hammer and went quietly to him while he was laid fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple to the ground and he died. This woman was a Kenite. She was a descendant of Hobab. Hobab began this tribe. And if you read the next chapter, it talks about the song of Deborah. And it talks about Jael. It says, most blessed of tent pitching women. What that means is that Moses gave an opportunity to her great, 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 great grandfather, whatever it was, to be a part of Israel's blessing. But it wasn't going to come easy. It was going to be a big fight. But Hobab decided, no, I'm going to go back to my clan, to my own people, to my own land. And years later, his great, 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 great granddaughter, Jael, is used by God for the kingdom of God. But they wandered in tents the rest of their lives. They didn't have a place of their own. They did not, he, he didn't have his name written over here with Moses and the promised land. Because he chose not to. Uh, 
Now, listen, what I'm saying is this. Today we're going to pick up pledges to get this thing taken care of, the Ezra fund. Okay, we're going to need an X amount of dollars, but we're not going to dilly-dally around. Today we're going to really do it up. And I chose Father's Day because I believe God chose Father's Day. I wanted to do this last week, but God said no Father's Day because of the men of this church. Can't be like Hobab. If you want to run and not have a place of your own and do whatever, or go, go join a church where everything's already paid for, that's fine and dandy for you. But what we're going to do is the people that give over 1,000, 2,000, and 5,000, we're going to have their name in brass. We're going to put it out here on the wall. And we're going to have as much as they gave. And it would be sad if years from now, and I'm not trying to pressure you or, 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 or you, know, you know, what do you call that? I'm not trying to you know, say, you know, tell you stuff like this, but I'm telling you the truth. It would be sad if some generation of Jesus doesn't come and a jail will walk in from your family to this church and not see your name on the thing there. Say, wow. But God will use her. And God will use them because God has his hand on them. But we have an opportunity of an eternal lifetime. Again, many of you have already pledged and given. That's great. We've gotten to this point in place. We've, we've paid off our first. That's what we did last week. We brought you the plaque. We showed you. We got two more seconds to go. We didn't pay off the first. We paid off the, we paid off the, the, the first second. Okay, the first, that would have been heavy. You could go home if we'd have done that. Uh, as far as finance, you wouldn't have to tithe for a while. Oh, my God. Uh, but uh, we've paid off the first of the seconds, of the three seconds. But we want to be able to get and knock down these walls and expand this place. The 11 o'clock service will be as, as big, if not bigger, as, as this one. So you can imagine how, how, how all of us here together. The place is supposed to seat about 600 legally. Hallelujah. Uh, but we can sit like this. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it'll seat almost 800, really. You know? And we have an opportunity. It's here. And I believe God wants us to do it at once. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Is every head is bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray first of all because this is what Christianity is all about. For those of you that need prayer.